This is Stone Cold E.T. and I want to order a couple cheeseburgers and that's the bomb line. Because you know Stone Cold E.T. like to come to White Castle, order a couple cheeseburgers to fill me up before I whoop some ass. Give me a hell yeah if you're down with Stone Cold E.T. Oh hell yeah! Cause Stone Cold E.T. likes whooping ass. When Stone Cold E.T. rides a bicycle, I ride it long, I ride it hard, just like the Texas Rattlesnake when he's done whooping Vince McMahon's ass. Give me a, oh, hell yeah. What'd you say, E.T.? What? What'd you say, E.T.? What? I said I want to order two cheeseburgers, and that's the bottom line. Good morning, Swear World, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Thursday, April 13th, 2023. I'm J.E. Skeets here in the Classic Factory, and alongside me, as always, Tass Mellis. Podcast listeners, this is for you. Next to him is the bearded one, Matapsha Hot Boy, Trey Kirby. hey hey And last but not least, over yonder making the magic happen, we got J.K. and J.D. How y'all doing? Hey, hey what's hey, up, Ash? Hey, JD helping out in the hey. background. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Like the vid, comment away. Make sure you subscribe. Go get your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. Get yourself a subscription to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks so they know that we sent you. And if you are a Survivor fan, coming up later today, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here from the factory, it's myself, TK, JD, talking about Last night's episode 7 of Survivor 44. That is No Buffs. Has its own YouTube feed and its own podcast feed. So uh, we'll see you Survivor sickos a little bit later today. But let's get into the action. And oh my god, we had another wedgie. Another defensive-minded wedgie. Although there was a foul called in the play. That's okay. Still counts. Good stuff there in a very entertaining Thunder Pelicans game, which you know we're going to break down, but Wedgie 54, Tassie, we got five to go to set the all-time record. When it comes to the play, and those Wedgies have a defensive mind, baby, I love it, I love it. That's what happens. We're close, yeah. Hey, we didn't factor in these extra games in the play (laughs) tournament. playing games. Big time. These are extra games to count towards... Mm. The wedgie record. Oh. Should they? Should it count? Yes. Will there be an asterisk? No. No. You're right. You're right. All right. I agree. Uh, let's get into last night's games. The 9-10 matchups. Ooh, what a night for the 10th seeded squads in this association. <laughs> Zach night. Levine scores 39 as the Bulls beat the Raptors 109-105 in the play-in game. We had an absolute blast watching this one on playback. Thanks to everybody who swung by and watched it live. We had like 600 people at one point. We were <laughs> crashing the system, I think. But TK, congratulations are in order to uh, to you and all the Bulls fans. You had your flag <laughs> hanging outside your house, and you had the scream queen in DeRozan's daughter oh. jinxing the raps at the line. Uh, what, what do you think about this one ever after having some time to think about it a little bit? <laughs> I think the exact same things I fought last night. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. How in the world did this game happen? Uh, you never hear about free throw defense, but Dr. DeRozan 100% <laughs> brought it last night. It started early. People saying, what's that screaming sound yeah. we're hearing the entire time on the broadcast? Eventually, I feel like it came out via Twitter originally. That's 
DeMar DeRozan's daughter sitting near courtside behind one of the baskets, screaming during every Raptors free throw. And then eventually the Raptors were missing so often and you could hear her so clearly. ESPN had to get her on the broadcast. Yeah. A split screen. Every time the Raptors went to the line, showing DR screaming as the Raptors took their free throws. In Canada, they wouldn't show her. They wouldn't show her. Seriously? Yeah, oh, really? in Canada, no. They said no. <laughs> we're not showing her. Because it was shameful. Free throws, man. Yeah. She got a highlight reel last night. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of the Raptors misses because of DR DeRozan. Incredible stuff. <laughs> uh, she was great off the court, on the court. This was Zach Levine's signature game. Yep. The guy that got a max contract last season, $200 million, struggled out of the gate, really found his rhythm further into the season. Basically, once the calendar turned to 2023, he spent 27 a game, 50, 40, 90, struggled in the first half of this game, only nine points. He was passing out too much. We said it at halftime. Levine's got to start looking to score, yeah. and he just went to the rim all the time in the second half of this game. Ended up taking 15 free throws. 13 of those came in the second half. He made 12 alone, which was enough uh, to beat the Raptors because the Bulls got a whopping five three-pointers in the second half. That's the equivalent of making double digits in a game. (laughs) And that really turned the tide. The missed free throws actually being able to hit and Levine putting the team on his back. Definitely his biggest moment as a Chicago Bull. So really happy uh, for him because he went through some bad times with the Bulls early in his tenure. Yeah, and it did illustrate sort of that type of tear he's been on since the All-Star break too. But you're right, that's his first postseason, not playoff uh, signature performance. (laughs) But that was amazing. And like there was that stretch there, I think, Siakam and OG went to the bench near the end of the third quarter. And that is really when Zach Levine and DeRozan, for for that matter, they attacked. I mean, they just put pressure. Nobody could stay in front of anyone out there on the perimeter and that's sort of the Raptors defense I mean they press up <laughs> they, they want to like you know force the action and I wonder in a game against the Bulls like maybe you want to you know drop a little bit make these guys shoot but un- incredible game from him like 30 in the second half uh, and you know the Raptors helped him out by missing a bunch of free throws sure yeah I, I think we'll, we'll get to OKC's game and it was sort of like Shea what Zach Levine did at halftime decided I'm the best player I'm going to turn it on yeah. and Zach was Phenomenal. Going to the rim. The other part of it was the Raps stopped guarding at the rim. They fell apart. You know, you can look at any stat, the free throws, sure. If the Bulls lost this game, you'd say the three-point discrepancy, the offensive rebound discrepancy that the Raps won 16-8. But they fell apart in the fourth quarter. That's what they've done all season long. Yeah. That's the thing with the Raps. That's totally true. They couldn't pass the ball. They literally couldn't pass the ball. The Pascal Siakam to Yakob Pertle pass down low. That they just fumbled, and then it goes the other way into a score. Same thing with Fred Van Vliet trying to pass the Yakupertle on that alley oop, and and the ugly part is the other way where it, when it goes into a score. Like Demar Derozan had a sort of that semi transition dunk on your head. That shouldn't happen in a fourth quarter postseason playoff, whatever the heck this is. It, that should just shouldn't happen. Right. Pascal Siakam got to put your. Or, uh, it wasn't Pascal Siakam. It was uh, Precious Chewy. You got to put your face on the line. Just get your face on in DeMar's way. That dunk should not happen. And to a lesser degree, the, the Zach Levine dunk. I mean, it was just a failure. It, if you can't pass the ball, that that's what's going to happen. A monstrous fourth quarter, complete organizational failure. I, I will, I'll, let's say that. Players, coaching staff, front office, and the director of ticket sales. DR DeRozan cannot be sitting courtside. Oh, wow, no. She can't be. That happened when he was a player on the team. Raptors fans, my man Dave Setton started texting me. Oh, that's DR DeRozan. We know she used to do that. 
when DeMar played here. Yeah, yeah. His wife sits courtside when they played here. They're the enemy now. There should not be tickets. Given, <laughs> given, handed to the opponent. Here, go sit courtside. You can be the story. Obviously, it wasn't the free throw defense that she provided. They just stunk at shooting free throws the entire game. And they were winning, right? They were winning the entire game when they sucked at the free throw line. But the fourth quarter, they literally just couldn't pass each other the ball. Yeah. Do you know where, uh, have your Chicago Bulls sources told you where they're building the statue? For DeRozan's daughter, is it right beside MJ's in the concourse there? Maybe outside? I think it's actually in the arena. The the MJ one it stays by itself, so they're putting it by the Scottie Pippen bust. Okay. Uh, where he looks uh, a little like Scottie Pippen. So we'll see the accuracy, but she earned it last night. Have any Raptors come out and said anything about DR DeRozan specifically? I, I, I haven't I been have able a, to find yeah, it. Yeah, I yet. don't think so. Obviously, no. DeMar's like... I heard screaming, and then I turned around and noticed it was my daughter. <laughs> so I owe her some money, uh, which was pretty funny. But uh, I haven't heard specifically from the Raptors. You probably don't want to admit it. No. It's true. No. So I think they'll probably stay quiet on that one, but maybe we'll get uh, an expose later on during uh, the summer. Or what, what do you think about uh, the word that DeRozan is sending DR back to school and that she will not be going to Miami? For Friday night's game, uh, questionable. That's questionable, parenting. <laughs> Question- questionable. I hope she comes down with a mystery illness in the next couple of hours. Here has to stay in Miami for some reason. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah, gonna I, need her. I thought I I read a, a brief headline in the Pulse from the Athletic that she would be there. No, well, she was she missed school to come up to Toronto for this game, but Demar has said no, you're going back to school. And she, apparently she will not be there. <laughs> There's probably recently spring break as well. Yeah. Been home a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, what's insane though, you know, like, okay, like, I loved how into the game she was. We talked about it on awesome, the playback, man. like, there's nothing more fun uh, as a fan of a team on the road. So you go for a playoff game, postseason game, playing game, whatever, and you're in enemy territory and you're trying your best to, like, obviously cheer your team on. She just took it to the next level with those screens. But them shooting 18 to 36 at the line in a game that is very close, Tats, like, they shit the bed here. OG, Siakam, and Van Vliet. Those guys shoot 84%, 77%, and 90% from the line, respectively, during the season. They combined to miss 14 free throws. Statitudes had a great stat here. Second most missed free throws in any game in Raptors franchise history. Trailing only the time they missed 19 in a regular season game back in 1997, Valentine's Day. You want to know who went to the line in that game? Carlos Rogers went 3-12 at the line. Mm. Now, that makes more sense. Sure. He was a garbage free throw shooter. I think he shot like 55%. Camby missed three. Walt Williams missed a couple. Doug Chrissy missed a couple. Popeye Jones missed one. Clifford Rogier. Reggie Slater. There's some old Raptors names. They missed mm. a couple. They went 24-43 for 43 at the line in that game. They lost to the Bucks by four. But those are some bad free throw shooters, especially Rogers. These are good free throw shooters. That's the weird part. With those guys. Uh, and yeah. then Siakam having a chance to, you know, sort of gifted a chance, no, I thought, to, to tie the game, having three of them. But you knew he wasn't hitting all three. <laughs> no. And the second one, he nearly, like, broke the rim. That was bad. It wasn't even yeah. close. So, it was wild. Super strange with Siakam because the jumper was beautiful. Yeah. It seemed yeah. like the, the ball was flowing off the fingers last night. But when he got to the line, <laughs> the opposite was happening. Yeah, 13 to 22 from the floor looked completely in control the first half. And then the third quarter, Raps feeling... Finish going into the late third quarter and then the fourth quarter where, yeah, they have fall apart all season, as you said. And it looked like they wanted to go home. It, it looked like the vibes were completely off and 
like they have been all year. And, and it just had to end. It just had to end. They had to put themselves out of their misery. They literally, if you're not getting back, like for, okay, you can't pass. Sure. You're, but you can't allow Alex Caruso to have a, a long ass board that basically no one goes to. And then the dunks on their heads, the live ball turnovers with combined with not playing in transition, just... I was just murder. I watched the fourth quarter again because I'm a masochist and I just had to see like cuz we were on playback and we were just yelling at each other. Yeah, so yeah, sure. Bad, yeah. Because it was awesome. <laughs> that was incredible. Because it was just back and forth action of bucket, 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 bucket and I just couldn't believe my eyes watching it back. Just how many like two two monstrous dunks on your head in the fourth quarter. Should not happen. It just shouldn't happen. Do you think a part of the reason the Raptors continually crap the bed in fourth quarters, not just in this game, but all season long, might have something to do with having zero bench and that the guy's getting maybe a little gassed as the game goes on and you get into the later minutes of the game? What did the Raps bench do once again in this? Precious, okay. <laughs> Fine. Gary Trent Jr., a bit Not good. Had a great look, too. Yep. Three on the side, wide open. I think he shot one of seven. Uh, Boucher, nothing. Um, they scored you, four points off Barton the bench. did nothing. Yeah, four I mean, that's been the, the just the problem all season long. And, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It's like, definitely I feel like the Raptors wore down a little bit. Van Vliet, in particular, I think was getting used and abused by Levine off the dribble. But what are you going to do? You're going to play Trent, Achua, or Boucher more? They were doing nothing out there, which was uh, a problem for the Raptors. Um, and kind of has been for the past couple of seasons. Yeah, it, w- it was cool to see definitely Zach Levine have that signature moment, like carrying his team back into the game, but then contributions, like Caruso finally hitting awesome, a three. Man. Yeah, uh, Pat Bev on that huge <sighs> rebound that was then called a foul, and that is where you know Nick Nurse used the charge. <laughs> that's a, that's a challenge. challenge. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. No one knows the rules. Fred Van Vliet was called for a foul. Right. His coach challenged. It was overturned. And the Bulls got the ball. <laughs> right. How? Everyone was shocked it wasn't a jump ball at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> Did something similar happen with Nick Nurse earlier this season where, like, he, he called a timeout to see if he could challenge a play? They told him he could challenge it. Oh, yeah. He challenged it, and then they're like, no, you can't actually challenge that. <laughs> they, they wasted it. <laughs> oh, and they took it away, probably. Yeah, something uh, something crazy like that happened. But, yeah, that was a very weird call. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the Raptors got it back when they got gifted the, totally. the one on the Caruso fouling uh, Pascal right there at the end. I mean, that... I yeah. guess he never put the ball back down, so it kind of was still a shot attempt, but uh, that mm. was just an, an excitement call, I think. I mean, let's keep it going, man. This oh. is crazy. It was a sick rebound by Pat Bev. Oh, yeah. Grabbing that it with one time. hand amongst all the bodies there. That was nice. Uh, before we look ahead to, to Bulls Heat on Friday night and get your take on that, um, Raptors here. I mean, this could be a huge, huge offseason. Like Nick Nurse, possibly gone. We'll wait to find out uh, whether they move uh, you know, separate in separate directions. Does he go somewhere else? Do the Raptors want a different voice in there? Pirtle unrestricted. Gary Trent Jr., Van Vliet, both uh, free agents as well. Extensions in play for some of their main guys. Uh, and then they need shooting. <laughs> they need a bench. Uh, this, you know, like I heard Will Liu on the on the, um, his post game podcast this morning. This maybe was one of the most like disappointing Raptors seasons when you think like or or worse Raptors seasons because. There is a talented team here. You see it in games. You see it in quarters and stuff like that. But then for them to be this mid-41-41 and 41 team and then losing here to a, you know, a fine Bulls team who took over and took control of that game, like that's what sucks. You're like, there's something here, but wow, it's not clicking with this squad. And 
the direction they made at the deadline, bringing Pirtle in. So it's like uh, they got a lot of decisions here. Oh yeah, absolutely. Busy, busy off season, I think. Yeah, it's uh, bittersweet. It's it's tough, for, obviously, for Raptors fans because there's were some expectations there, and it and it's painful. I kind of yearn for the days of Walt Williams, Clifford Rozier, and Carlos <laughs> Rogers, where <laughs> expectations no, were zero, <laughs> yeah. and then you go in the off season. Well, we won. 31 games that was awesome uh now it's a disappointing season because you you pooped uh, when it came down to it. it it was it was hard to watch that fourth quarter for sure uh, there's gonna be big changes uh because the vibes are off nick nurse literally said my shelf life is sort of done here without saying that uh i don't I, if if nurse comes back it's because there's changes in the in the roster which i think are going to happen I think Fred's moving on. I think that's the biggest part because that, he's the biggest free agent. That's the uh, silver lining for some Raptors fans losing last night. It was like, there's no way this front office and Masai and Bobby Webster can look at this team and go, you know, well, run it back. Yep. See you next year. Like, we'll get them next year. There's just no way. So maybe that maybe they, they maybe they're, they're, that starts to happen if they win this game and obviously beat the Heat and they put up a fight against the Bucs. Like, then you maybe start to convince yourself, oh, yeah, we could do this. We got the pieces. But you know, losing to the Bulls in in spectacular fashion, really, you have to have to go change this roster and yeah. and probably you know I'm fascinated to see type of deal Van Vliet gets offered from other teams whether they keep him, uh, whether you should keep him at his age and like like he was hitting threes, but then Van Vliet's problem is like, hey, go create it, go get us a bucket at the guard position. I mean, he had the hero pull up too in transition there late. That was one. a bit of a backbreaker. Um, but then tried to be a little too much of a hero at totally, the rim, totally uh, multiple times in this game. One for nine inside the yeah, arc for yeah. Van Vliet. That's a stat, baby. Yep. Uh, so, but I mean, Vooch is back there. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, but uh, this is a team that's been together for a long time. So there's 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 no just uh, hey let's run it back. It's impossible. You can't do that. Right. We did it at the deadline. Trade <laughs> uh, first round we, pick for this team. Yeah, yeah we got Yaka Pearl. So I, I imagine, imagine the front. Court is going to be the same in right. Pirtle, Siakam, and right. Ananobi, and and the backcourt will be different. Silver lining also for us will be fresher in the postseason. Who you and me? Yeah, <laughs> we don't have to watch Raptors games. We don't have to struggle. Great point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm still sore from last night. Anyway, <laughs> okay. Uh, so okay, what do you uh, do? You like your chances on Friday night in Miami? <laughs> a little nervous. Uh, quite nervous. Bulls are three and zero against the Heat. Tough to beat a team four times in a season, oh, especially a, a team that you assume will be giving a better effort than they did against the Hawks last night because this is elimination time now for Miami, so I'm guessing Bam and Butler will be a little bit better. Also, the Bulls have won three straight games and have yet to have a four-game winning streak this oh, season. Wow. So another strike against Chicago. Uh, but to me, it's going to play out very similarly to this game. Like, Surely Miami will do what they can to take the ball out of DeMar DeRozan's hands. I thought he did a pretty solid job last night realizing that he needs to be an effective scorer and playmaker, but still there are times when it calls to get off the ball and like Levine create. Levine's going to have to have a big game. And I think Vooch uh, is going to have his hands full with Bam Adebayo. Bam's a lot quicker than Vooch is, likes to play in transition. And he was so bad against the Hawks that you have to imagine he – is coming out gangbusters uh, against Chicago. So it's going to be a tough win. And, you know, I assume it could be very similar to this where, like, one team hits a few more threes in one half, and that kind of turns the difference. Uh, 
send DR though. Honestly, send her. <laughs> they, like they have to have her at this point. I kind of think you know it's like the it's like the Kings couldn't start light the beam and then stop it halfway through. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna be lighting the beam in the playoffs. Get the screen. You gotta bring there. your good luck charm. Yeah. What do you think of Friday night's game here? Uh, Bulls Miami. I think there are charter flights available for DR. I think she can get it in some hours on Friday at school yeah. and still make the game. Oh, Great call. Okay. Yeah, Seven yeah. o'clock start. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. School's done at probably three at the latest. Yeah. All right, maybe at we'll be the latest. Maybe she'll yeah. be there. Couple hour flight. All right, let's wait here what people <laughs> think. Bulls and Heat Friday night. Uh, who you got taking that one? The winner of that game obviously advances to face the Milwaukee Bucks as the eight seed in the actual playoffs. Uh, the other game last night. So entertaining. Such a fun game. Uh, SGA and Giddy lead OKC past the Pelicans in their 9-10 playing game. So they will now play on Friday night against the Minnesota Timberwolves in mini to try and also get in the playoffs. But uh, you said it already, Tass. Um, you know, some similarity to Zach Levine having a very quiet first half and then taking over against the Raps. That was SGA scoring 25 of his 32 after halftime, including that go-ahead little baseline jumper there. And then the free throws in the clutch to uh, seal the deal. But what do you think of SGA and uh, the Thunder's performance here? I think that's becoming SGA's patented shot where the lane is taken away, but he is able to float sort of towards the baseline and hit because he's just got incredible body control and he's not going to pull up for a three. And yeah, maybe he'll, he'll pull back and hit a shot in the mid range. But to me, that's that's the shot. It's a little like what Julius Randle does in, in a different way. That was the the one that sealed it, but they got there not only from SGA and, and Josh Giddy, uh, but Jay Will, I thought, was awesome in the fourth quarter, just helping him out, not J-Dub, Jay Will this time. Uh, he had a hook shot, a real hook shot. Mm, that was like gorgeous. Old school, baby, like way across the lane. And then he had a three as well. So it came down to the last couple minutes. It really was a good fight. And yeah, unfortunately, Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum, they didn't execute. C.J. McCollum missed that that one shot within the last minute. They gave up a lot last year for C.J. McCollum, and it's unfortunate that he didn't come through right at the end. That's what it was. One team executed just a little bit more, and I think the, the live ball turnover was huge. So I say one team executed a little bit more, but OKC really had a, a, a Shea Gilgis-Alexander bucket with 140 left where it was a live ball turnover where Brandon Ingram just fumbled, bumbled, and Shea just went in and scored. And so they didn't have to execute as much when they could just live ball turnover and just get, grab a live ball turnover and score. Brandon Ingram did come back and hit a shot. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, it was a free throw game basically after that. Shea hit one shot, and... That was it. I, I, I do I do think, you know, when you sit back and you look at this game, the Pelicans just didn't have a good game from one of their perimeter players in McCollum, Herbert Jones, and Tramer for the third. They all contributed in one way or another, but just not a good game. Mm-hmm. Somebody to really step up beside um, – Brandon Ingram. They just needed one. They just needed one of those guys. And I actually thought Trey Murphy was great. Herbert yeah. Jones, I thought, was pretty solid, too. CJ McCollum, 14 points on 15 shots. Yeah. That guy is the one who's supposed to be stepping up. Like, if you're getting 20 from Murphy and Herb in these huge games, I think that that is a win there. But uh, yeah. CJ Could have had better shooting cold. nights, but yeah. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, but I mean, four threes from Trey Murphy. That's, yeah. a, that's a win right there. Um, it was, was, it was on McCollum for me. Like, he just... Looked completely out of it. He was nothing on defense. He was getting wasted by Shea. No surprise there. And, uh, man, Giddy, what an incredible game from this guy. He has no moves. Doesn't matter. (laughs) They just lay off him. 
If he's feeling like taking the shot, he shot it with confidence last night. But if he wants to drive, he just drives into the hoop and he's like, oh yeah, I'm six inches taller than you. I'll do a simple spin move, dink and dump it over the top. One of the best games he's played. I thought that was uh, an incredible performance from Gideon. Like you're saying, Jalen Williams, uh, center Jalen Williams, he was great. Eight, eight and eight. Hit a three when they really needed it. And he hadn't, he hadn't hit a three all he game, too, three, but, but he was willingly taking them. Yeah. He took a lot of threes, and also it was definitely an advantage uh, for the Thunder once Valanchunas went out with the ankle injury. They yeah. were going to win that game if they could keep going to Valanchunas in the post. Yeah, he was a monster to start this game. Uh, obviously grabbing every offensive rebound and scoring inside and had a great line in the end, too. But, yeah, definitely limited with the uh, ankle injury. I got to say the poise, though, from the Thunder, like on the road in a must-win game, with a team that's, like, led by a guy that's under 25 years old, that's your superstar in Shea, and then, like, two rookies, uh, you know, both Jay Williams in there, and then Giddy, who's 20, you know, Dort's not, like, I just, they just, like, couldn't believe it. They weren't rattled at all, and they were trailing, like, two and a half minutes ago, they're down two, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then, it conti- and then Brandon Ingram was hitting big shots, and they were trailing, and it's like, wow, they just kept coming up, like, I love, you said, like, sort of Ingram fumbled it on that play where SGA then got the steal and went the other way in transition, but... Watch that whole possession. Awesome defense, I thought, from Shea. Like, he is, like, moving his feet, like, insanely, not biting on Ingram, just staying, like, locked in. And then there's a the little fumble, and he capitalizes. And he has, he's the weirdest transition player in the game. It's like he somehow gets from, like, point A to point B in a blink of an eye, but it also looks so damn slow. And it's like, mm-hmm. puts people to sleep as he sort of just smooth snaked his way inside and scored that one. That tied it at 112. But yeah. I just, like, I couldn't believe just for a team so young, they did not look rattled whatsoever. I mean, I think that they take on like, they take on Shea's personality there a little bit. Like, he's a cool cucumber, <laughs> and they sort of all play that way. Yeah, and that, and the way he guarded Brandon Ingram on that play, it's it shows such a benefit for having a guard. That's the, that's their smallest player on the floor at six six. Uh, to be able to just switch over mm-hmm. and guard Brandon Ingram, and that's why they got to be super excited for when Chet Holmgren comes back, because then they have a center, a real center. Uh, a yeah. real, real size back there, but yeah, Shea was, yeah, extremely confident and poised. Yeah, they were all they outpoised the Pels. It felt like uh, I, I thought you know Herb w- was a little bit reluctant at times. Um, at, at first, yeah, it came down to the wire. It was, uh, it was great. There, it, it was great because yeah, no one folded. Both teams could have folded at times. Yeah, and Ingram man hit a shot that. Whew, did he get touched there on the elbow? I mean, it was damn close where he hit the three right at the end to cut it, it to close, one. Yeah, and he was, he turned around right away. He's like, what the hell? I got touched. I, like, it was a tough replay. I couldn't really tell. Yeah, the replay contact. that they showed us. Yeah. Cams weren't ready for Brandon Ingram flying down the floor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't really see, did we? If, no. if, it was, if he was touched at all. Uh, but... I don't think you can call it at that time. Mm. It didn't it didn't seem like you really could call it at that time. But they also got the way they started for for the Thunder with Lou Dort coming out and having oh, his that was crazy, 14 man. in the first quarter. They had a season <laughs> high in the play-in tournament. That's nice. Yeah, <laughs> nice. especially when like yeah, JV was, you know, beating them up inside and that was keeping around and like Herb Jones was doing a phenomenal job uh, and the Pelicans like getting the ball out of SGA's hands and like really like taking him out of the game in the first half. Like they needed all those points from Dort and like you said, Giddy's performance and Jalen Williams. Like J Dub, you know, he had timely bu- buckets at the end, like sort of moving off the ball. I think Giddy had a nice little bounce pass uh sort of like after they were down 2 points. They doubled SGA, finds Giddy at the free throw line. They sort of collapse. J-Dub 
cuts baseline, and uh, that was a nice little bounce pass there from Gideon. That was a score, and then I think he scored once again too, but like he didn't have like a whoa, like you know, knock you out of your seat type of game, but everybody contributed for them. What a fun one. It looked good that too. Was good. I love the blue and that red on that court. Anything else? I gotta wipe my nose. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, I gotta wipe your nose. <laughs> I just wow, wanted one okay, of you to start talking. Yeah, so I can blow, uh, I'm gonna blow my nose. Wow. Here, this is to the Raptors honk season. Honk it, buddy. That <laughs> wasn't a good honk at all. Not a good Sorry. honk. Yeah. In you, the least. Got a little summer cold here. You see something new every no dunks. I think that's a first. What? In the history of this show, a live blow. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh Richardson had a live blow last night. Tell us more. Wait, well, punched Josh Giddy right in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Josh versus Josh right on his Josh. Uh, I've always been skeptical of Josh Richardson, and now it's great to have my fears confirmed. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, credit to, to Jay Will. I can't believe there's two Jalen Williams on the same damn team that are both rookies. Uh, Jay Will, tall one. Um, he held he held Josh back right away. I don't yep. think Giddy was gonna really gonna go do anything, but you know, good teammate there. Yeah, like he nice saw it happen guys. right away, jumped in. Officials reviewed that, and uh, they did determine flag or foul, uh, and that resulted in uh, some free throws. I think they split that one. Giddy at the line. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so what do you think about Friday night's game between the Thunder and the Wolves? Who are you, who are you leaning towards in this oh. one? I don't really have a great answer for that one. Um, the The Timberwolves have got to play better. It's like what we're expecting with the Miami Heat with these single-game eliminations. Anything can happen. Lou Dort can drop 27 on you. Bop. What are you going to do? Uh, and in a, in a real playoff series, the team will respond. Like if if either of these teams were playing two games uh, versus the same team, we'd expect a split. And, and I think the Wolves just bounce back, just like the Heat, I think, are going to mm. bounce back. Uh, that's, that's, that's all I got for you right now. That's all I got. I, I do believe the Wolves will play. More solid. They actually played solid outside of Anthony Edwards. Yeah. And when it went. They, put, they were good for three quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Who are you leaning uh, on Friday night in this one? Well, I mean, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess the Timberwolves are getting Rudy Gobert back. Yeah. yeah. Right? Is that good? <laughs> Their offense usually looks better when Gobert is not out there. They're going to need him defensively just so that Carl Anthony Towns doesn't get into foul trouble. I would be very worried about that if I'm a Timberwolves fan with the way that Shea can draw fouls, though I feel like he got more of a postseason whistle last night compared to what we saw in the regular season. We would take 10 free throws a game. Anthony Edwards has to be better. Yeah. Like, he has to at least approximate what SGA is doing uh, from that standpoint. Um, yeah. I think the Wolves are likely favored, but, I mean, that was a, a disappointing end to their loss against the Lakers, how disjointed they looked in the fourth quarter. It's very easy to see a world where SGA is the best player on the court, especially if we're not getting a solid performance from Edwards if he's hurt with his shoulder or anything like that. So, uh, cat fouls, as usual, something to watch here. I don't I don't know. If he's able to stay out of foul trouble, that's a huge advantage for them because Cat should be able to eat against the Thunder, I would think. Um, and also, if Chris Finch decides to run a play, I think would be <laughs> very, very helpful in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, Finchy. Yeah. What shall he do? But Gobert will help the cat stay out of foul trouble. Most likely, Most likely, yeah. Being on the floor. Uh, I guess I'm leaning towards taking the Thunder. All what you guys said is correct, though, with uh, probably the guys bouncing back. But, like, I'm just looking at last night's game. Herb Jones is, like, an elite defensive player. Like, he he was trying his ass off. Uh, you know, on SGA a lot of the time, again, quiet first half. SGA wasn't really forcing the action, you know, finding the open man. But, like, 
who the hell? If like SGA comes into Friday night's game with like, I am the best player on this floor and I'm going to take over this game very early, like no McDaniels really hurts the Timberwolves in terms of like perimeter defense. I think SGA could have a monster game on Friday night here. That definitely, I mean, you would love to have McDaniels uh, yeah. if you could, but Anthony Edwards can hang. Yeah, okay. athletically. Yeah, athletically. He did a really solid job on LeBron, and obviously LeBron's got a lot of size on Edwards. Yep. So Edwards can bring the athleticism and the strength to SGA, but it's going to be a matter of if those two guys get in foul trouble. That's bad for the Wolves, yep. Edwards or Cat. Yeah. I had I had no feel about this game last night. We were talking about it. It was like, I don't know, Pelicans, Thunder, who knows? I sort of feel the same way a little bit about Friday's uh, Wolves-Thunder game. So hopefully it's just as entertaining as this one because that was a blast. We're going to take our first break. When we come back... We are going to preview and predict two more series, both of the two seven matchups in the East and the West. Don't go anywhere. Hey, back in the Classic Factory. If you're joining us live, we love it. Thank you so much. Hit the like button and make sure you subscribe. Share the show with your friends. We podcast Monday through Friday every day at 10 a.m. Eastern and then a whole lot of short-form content as well. Our guy Jerome was down in Jurassic Park last night. Got a fun little video of him talking to Raptors fans coming up soon we'll post it right after nice. the show yeah one word to describe the Raptors season <laughs> poop <laughs> what do you got <laughs> <laughs> all right all right uh two seven playoff previews here let's start in the eastern conference it's a hot conference the uh, celtics will meet the hawks what are my top two conferences in the first round of the 23 nba playoffs game one set to take place saturday afternoon in boston uh celtic locked up the number two seed in the regular season winning 57 games and look at them on both sides of the ball there my god Top two offensive rating and defensive rating. Number one in the league when it comes to net rating. The Hawks, meanwhile, oh, you know they're 500. But they did win <laughs> their first play-in game on Tuesday night to clinch that number seven seed. Boston, 7-1 and one all time against Atlanta in the playoffs. But I think the Hawks won the last one that they played, if I have that right. 16, I want to say. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a while. Um, Celtics Hawks, one thing to watch, guys. Nothing easy in this series. Nothing (laughs) easy. One thing to watch, I think, is uh, the strength of the Hawks guards versus the strength of the Celtics defensive guards. Okay. Uh, The Hawks want to start everything through Trey and DeJounte, but the Celtics got a great matchup. I think they are going to start Derek White. And Marcus Smart, they're not going to go big and start Robert Williams and drop Derek White to the bench. So White and Smart against Trey and DeJounte, I think, will negate some of that strength that the Hawks want to be able to to handle things from there. Um, so I, I just think that hurts. The Celtics are just damn good. They can just play any way they want. And in, in the next round, if they get there, they'll deal with Embiid in a different way. Uh, but they can play small. They can play big. They can run. That's why they're so damn good. Mm-hmm. Brog Dog is just waiting to come out and, and help out against those guards. So there's just so much they can do against Trey and DeJounte. And then even Jalen Brown, obviously, getting obvious. a lot of those matchups, too. Totally. A lot of great defensive guards on yeah. the Celtics, and you think something to watch there, whether yeah. they can negate them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what are you focusing in on? It's interesting. I actually think the Hawks' backcourt can win their matchup. Trey's been incredible uh, against the Celtics this season. He's at 33 points a game, 11 assists. Marcus Smart, Derek White, both very, very streaky. That's something I think to keep an eye on is how aggressive Derek White is as an offensive player. We saw in the playoffs last season there were times when he didn't trust his jump shot, and that really hurt the Celtics' offense. Uh, He's been 
a great player uh, this season, been very willing to take three-pointers, but sometimes he just wants the record scratch it, maybe get into the floater game. Marcus Smart, of course, can go 10 for 12 from three in a game and go 0 for 12 from game, uh, three in a game. I also think, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich has been playing pretty solid lately. Mm-hmm. He could have a decent game as well. I think maybe the big guys can be a wash in this series, but there's a clear advantage for the Celtics on the wing with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They're going to be going up against basically DeAndre Hunter. That's it. There's not a lot of wings <laughs> on the Atlanta Hawks right now. Sadiq Bey will probably get a lot of time. Oh, he is not good defensively. He is not good defensively, no. but otherwise it's going to be John Collins trying to guard Jason Tatum. That's also a problem there. Then you look defensively. The Celtics have – their wings can guard so many different guys. Tatum and Brown can take turns on some of the guards, on some of the wings. They can be health defenders as well. Meanwhile, you basically got to ask DeJounte Murray and DeAndre Hunter to guard those guys for 48 minutes and then give you something offensively as well. I think that's where this series is really going to be won. Can the Hawks replicate what they did against Miami Heat in their play-in game? That's a a big question. Obviously, they were a monster on the boards. That was why they won the game. They just kept grabbing offensive rebounds. Capello was huge. But the Celtics lead the league in defensive (sighs) rebounding percentage in the regular season. Though, the Hawks in games against them did pretty well in second chance points. So, uh, you know, obviously it's not going to be as easy uh, for Capella, for Collins, for Jalen Johnson, for Okongwu, all their bigs, to grab offensive rebounds against Celtics bigs compared to the Heat bigs, which was really Bam, who was having a brutal game, and then Love and Zeller was like nothing. So, you know, Robert Williams, he's going to play in this. You're going to see minutes. Al Horford, you know, not the tallest guy, but... (laughs) basketball IQ through the roof and he's going to box out guys and try and keep them off the glass so I think that's where I'll be watching just like the Hawks to win these games going to need more possessions probably and can they get those second chance points or will the Celtics like they did all regular season against most teams just took care of business like they end possessions that's the thing they get the stop they have great defensive players but you got to get the rebound at the end or it doesn't really matter so we'll be watching that problem for the Hawks is they had two incredible offensive rebounding games against the Celtics this season yeah. one where they had 17 one where they had 16 and they lost both of them <laughs> so that's a problem yeah because the Celtics shoot so many threes that's how the Hawks really can win this series is if the Celtics have a bad shooting series because that happens they take about half their shots from three pointers which means you can blow out a team by 20 points but it also means like the Celtics have done quite a few times this season you can give back a double digit lead easily in the second half who do you have as an X factor from either team go ahead Tess well I think what you just said about the rebounding is is important uh, with primarily with John Collins because I, I think Clint Capella and Al Horford will end up being some sort of a wash when you throw Robert Williams in there as well but because the Celtics are going to probably play small, uh, John Collins is going to be out there, and he has the capability uh, of out-rebounding probably Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, the wings. He's got to get extra possessions. Tatum and Brown are going to outscore him. they got to get extra possessions. He can do that. He can, uh, he can jump over the top, and that will be, yeah, the, the Celtics' weak point, as, as Trey pointed out with the numbers there, as you pointed out, Skeets got to get extra possessions and and pray uh, and, and pray that DeAndre Hunter and DeJounte Murray who's going to be undersized against Tatum and Brown there's no doubt they, they do a decent enough job it's there, there's just there's just a lot of ifs here on the Celtics team uh, on this Hawks for this Hawks team because the Celtics just do so much so John Collins got to get some extra possessions and, and I do think the Celtics aren't going to respond to this issue that they know going into the series. If us dummies know that the Hawks get extra possessions, 
Missoula is not just going to come out and play Robert Williams. I don't think. I think they're going to play their style, what they played all season long, which was Al Horford at the five and Robert Williams coming off the bench most of the time, and figure it out from there mm-hmm. and keep Robert Williams as healthy as possible for potential second and third rounds. They're going to do their. They're going to do their thing, and and I think they'll be ready for it. The Celtics, uh, they are a chameleon. They'll adapt. I think they'll they'll board hard enough. Uh, but John Collins should hope to hurt them in that department. Yeah, I wonder how much Capella even gets to play really in this series because when we saw the Celtics play against them, when they went small, right? It's like Capella's like he's forced to be like, okay, well, do I drop? Well, then that's just a bunch of three-point shooters stepping into easy shots once the ball's rotated. Or, you know, you've got him in a bunch of action, and that's not his strong suit. So I wonder, like, that's going to be a decision for Quinn Snyder. You want him in there, Capella, because you want these chances at extra points or or rebounds and stuff like that. But if you can't play him, you can't play him, and that means John Collins and and more Sadiq Bey and and guys that can at least maybe shoot with the Celtics bigs like Horford, who's like... The best three-point shooter in the damn league. (laughs) (laughs) Made a ton of clutch threes. Yeah. Atlanta pedigree as Mm. well. So he's not going to be scared when he's down here in the fortress. (laughs) Got the second loudest applause, actually, uh, for the Celtics. I was surprised Jalen Brown got the most applause. Mm. Uh, He's an Atlanta guy (laughs) as well. Um, But yeah, I'm with y'all guys. Uh, I think John Collins is an X factor. He can't just be standing in the corner if they go small. Like, he's got to try and draw fouls. He's got to try and be in the lane a little bit. Sadiq Bey, huge X factor here, 36% career three-point shooter, somehow shoots 50% in 12 career games against the Celtics. There you go. Like, he's just a Celtics killer, so if he has a hot series, uh, that definitely helps. And then from the Celtics side, I am going to be seeing if Derek White wants to shoot the ball and can shoot the ball. Probably more of a concern long-term, but he was 31% from three in the playoffs last season and at times became unplayable. So I, that's a question mark, and I suppose uh, Grant Williams is also a question mark. Down season, and if the Celtics are going small, he's going to get some three-point looks. Knocked him down against the Bucks last season. Let's see if he does it. I love like when Hawks. we get into these like previews and then ultimately our predictions. Like you know, we're trying to find these guys that are going to make a difference in a quarter or a half. Like we're talking about sixth, seventh, eighth man sometimes. But like we do sometimes just gloss over the fact. Yeah, Celtics have Tatum and Brown. That's basically sixty points. Mm-hmm. in their sleep and then can Trey and DeJounte Murray as their two guys can they match them you know can they have uh, at least four out of seven games where they're like the better or at least equivalent duo on that night unlikely can they do it a couple games maybe but like that like all these things we're talking about it's like Jesus how the hell do you stop Tatum and and then Brown they don't have the matchups no, that's no. that's the problem mm-hmm. Hunter and Murray Murray's just too small that's, right. that's a problem. Uh, prediction time. Who do you got? Celtics, Hawks, how many games? Well, yeah, sticking with that, uh, the Trey Young and DeJounte Murray have to outscore the Celtics bench as much as the Celtics wings are outscoring the Hawks wings, and I just don't see that happening. The Celtics guards are just too good, too deep. I got the Celtics in six, and I think that's wow. uh, that's reasonable. I th- the Hawks are playing well. I, even despite, you can just say it's one game, but before that, they were playing well. They're 5-2 in their last seven. It was real. They were playing deep. And I know the Celtics are extremely deep, but the Hawks are bringing guys off the bench. We haven't mentioned Jalen Johnson, who I'm sure is going to play in this athletic-type guy. They have enough. They have guys to roll out there, but it ain't enough. Okay. Celtics in six. Who do you go? Yeah, unfortunately, I think I'm Celtics in six as well. (laughs) Like you mentioned, Tass, this is the Zaza Pachulia series. It would be great if this is going to a game seven, baby. (laughs) But for as foolish as the Celtics can be, as streaky as they can be with their three-point shooting, it probably evens out uh, over the course of time. Uh, So, yeah, Celtics in six. Mm. 
I believe we have ourselves a gentleman's sweep on our hands here. Oh, geez. Yeah, I'll go. I'll take the Celtics in five uh, and the gentleman's sweep, for those that don't know. We define it as you win the first three games and then as a gentleman give the fourth game at home to the team, to the team losing in the series. Uh, and then you take care of business in five. I could see that happening here. Uh, hopefully not, because I love when uh, the road team takes one of the first two games and it feels like you have a series immediately. I'll be in Boston, hopefully for game two. Uh, with some Hawks fans, so maybe that one's entertaining, but Beantown Boys, a little too much here for Atlanta, and I do think we might get caught up at times. You're right, they ended the season in style, but this is a very mid-Atlanta Hawks team, uh, and like we get caught up in like, man, they just crushed the Miami Heat. They looked awesome. It's, it's like, yeah, now they're playing the Boston Celtics. So I'll go Celtics in five, and uh, a little tip of the cap to Schumann for this stat. We showed you that graphic, Celtics ranking second in both offensive and defensive efficiency in the regular season. Just the third team in the last 27 seasons to be top two on both sides of the floor. That's uh, since we've had like the, the play-by-play data to do it, 27 seasons. The other two, 14-15 Warriors yep. won the chip. 16-17 Warriors won the chip. <laughs> I guess I'm like, I, I was shocked by that top two on both sides of the ball. That's a damn good team. And uh, maybe it's weird because they're not the number one team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those Warriors teams had the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. So yeah, that, yeah. that helps. Uh, all right. Celtics in five for me. Celtics in six for these two the guys. The stream team is saying we're being too nice. Yeah, maybe. We're being a little bit too nice to the Hawks here. Okay. I'm giving them these games. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. We're, hey. we're giving them one extra game. Okay, I, I guess the stream teamers think that the Celtics could very well sweep. Yeah. It's uh, definitely uh, possible. Yeah. That's possible. They're a good team. They're a good team. team. Let's hear from everybody in the comments. Uh, Who do you have? How many games? Celtics, Hawks. Let's move over to the Los Angeles Lakers going in to play the Memphis Grizzlies. Lakers turned around a disappointing season. They knocked off the Wolves in an overtime rock fight to earn that number seven seed in the West. So now we got LeBron and Anthony Davis and co. meeting up with John Morant and the Grizzlies in that 2-7 matchup that already has some notable bad blood between these two teams uh can't wait for dylan brooks to go against the lakers and to hear what he says after every game uh but what's one thing to watch trey you get us started on this one lakers grizz uh one column to watch skeets and that's the personal fouls column next to jaron jackson jr's name because that is going to be key for the grizzlies Jaron staying on the court. Uh, We know LeBron and AD live in the lane. The Lakers are a team that has drawn a ton of fouls lately. So many free throws. Austin Reeves has had like 10 free throw games. They are going to, that's the MO for the Lakers, is getting in the lane, scoring points in the paint. No Steven Adams, no Brandon Clark. Xavier Tillman's done a solid job as the spot starter here, but uh, that's going to be a guy that the Lakers are trying to get into, draw some fouls on as well. And then Jaron Jackson Jr., he's so important defensively, but the way he's played offensively, uh, when Ja was out during the second half of this season, really opened things up for yeah. the Grizzlies. If he's not able to stay on the court, it's a huge problem defensively, and it becomes a big problem for them offensively as well. They need him to play – I mean, they need him to play 30 minutes a game to start with. Yeah. 40 would be more <laughs> more acceptable in a playoff scenario. But let's just, let's start with sticking to 30 at least because – if he's getting to four and five fouls early in the third and fourth quarter, it's not good for Memphis. Yeah, and he is one of like the rare defenders in this league, Jaron Jackson Jr., is that can sort of match AD physically, like size and strength and obviously what he brings on the defensive end and how he's been playing uh, offensively too. But 
you got to be out there. You got to play out there. You can't foul <laughs> out, and they're going to put pressure on them. I, I also have that in my notes. Uh, like TK, what do you have though, Tess? Yeah, that's going to be the most important thing. Really, is can he stay on the floor? And there's a, there's a lot of expectations because Trey brought up the the other side of the floor. Maybe it was a bit of a blessing with John Moran out that Jaron Jackson Jr. had to do more. And he realized that I can be the second option because he's going to be important in the fourth quarters when it comes down to it offensively. But can he stay on the floor? Well, I think the the trickle-down effect of how that happens is Xavier Tillman has to be really, really good against Anthony Davis. That big body is actually pretty good against AD. Mm -hmm. He's shorter than AD, but he's long. And he's got that low center of gravity, ready to stick with Anthony Davis. Do you like numbers? Here are some numbers. Yeah, I do. AD shooting only 36% against Tillman, specifically, according to second spectrum. And Tillman pushes him out. That lower body strength is important. Yeah. AD's... He'll start to settle, sort of, for jumpers. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because his shot distance is almost 13 feet when playing against Tillman, according to second spectrum. Sirit Sohi, great breakdown on the ringer of, of that matchup and of this matchup in general where we got so much juice, so much bad blood, as you said. Yeah. Will the Grizzlies come out dancing to Taylor Swift instead? <laughs> to some bad blood. And, 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 I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> until you said bad blood. Yeah. I mean, you dropped the, uh, the ro- rock set. Reference yesterday. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, uh, current reference. Let's drop a Taylor Swift. Uh, listen to your heart, Tess. I'm going to listen to my heart. I do think Xavier Tillman is super important in this series, especially because Adams is out, because Brandon Clark is yeah. out. Who the heck is in this rotation afterwards? Santi Aldama comes in, and then they get teeny tiny. But Xavier is going to start on AD and hopefully keep him away from Jaron Jackson Jr. as much as possible. Do you think the Grizzlies are being like completely overlooked? Yes. By like casual fans and maybe even NBA fans, with what happened with John Morant during the season, injuries in play, now drawing the Lakers, who are playing, you know, the best basketball in the West since the All Star break. Like, it feels like this is a two seven matchup, but the Lakers are the two seed and the Grizzlies are a seven seed, or it's not, obviously. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, the Grizzlies kind of as an on-court product have been a little bit overshadowed this season, certainly by what happened with Ja off the court, but they've had so many injuries this year that it kind of feels like they've taken a a step back as a contender. And like you're saying, we're looking at the bottom half of the Western Conference bracket much more than we're looking at the top half uh, so far. But I think this can be an okay matchup for the Grizzlies. It's not like the Lakers are really going to be beating them every single night from outside. So I think Desmond Bain shooting becomes important. Luke Kennard has been on fire since joining the Grizzlies. His shooting is going to be important as will Dylan Brooks. And then the Lakers turned the ball over a ton. They had a ton of stupid, just (laughs) dumb turnovers against the Timberwolves, LeBron included. And that's exactly what the Grizzlies want to do. Force turnovers, get out in transition. The Lakers never get back uh, uh, on defense in transition. So I think if the Grizzlies are able to turn over L.A., they will be able to score uh, pretty effectively. And it's also like, it's not like the Grizzlies are, you know, like the the Sacramento Kings where they haven't been in the playoffs and they don't know what it's like and how the whistle is in these games. Like, Grizzlies are like, they're like trying to do the the progression thing here, right? Two Mm -hmm. years ago, you know, it's it's a lose in the first round. Next year, it's to get to the semis. And then it's like... You know, they've been in these games. They've obviously had big, big uh, um, playoff series here already uh, with the same coach and, and, for the most part, the same sort of team. So uh, they yeah. shouldn't be shook that way. Nah. Right? I, I don't think they'll cower from the moment. I I, th- I do think that the, the confidence that Dylan Brooks exudes all the time, I think it helps. 
uh, it, it helps that locker room. Like he Will said, Dylan Brooks be tossed from a game in this series? <laughs> hmm. Believe. I think he's learned yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. You think he will? I, I, yeah. yeah. I think the Shannon Sharp thing was enough to teach him to shut up enough. I know he doesn't shut that up. That made but like, him stronger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he's basically already <laughs> guaranteed they're going to knock off the Lakers. Yeah. yeah. I, and I think that's good. I think that takes pressure off John Morant to, to some degree. Yeah. And, and yeah, he said, I wouldn't mind playing LeBron in a seven-game series. His first time back in the playoffs since 2021. He's given us a history <laughs> that was lesson. Funny. <laughs> Knock him out right away. That'll test us good. They've got good pieces, good players. Ooh. That'll be a good first round matchup for us. And you, you know, the extension of that was John Morant talking to ESPN earlier on in the season, saying uh, the the only team that worries me is Boston. Nobody in the West. Right, so right. you know, is it is it overconfidence? Maybe, um, but I. I, I they are getting overlooked uh, to yeah, some degree. I think, I think they are. I want to know. I want to know if they can run against this Lakers team. The Lakers are bad at getting back in transition. Allowed the fourth most in the regular season, twenty three point four points in transition. But they did pick up the pace. They got more athletic since the trade. Yeah, they they were better. Uh, They're tenth in pace since the trade. But the Grizzlies yeah, absolutely need to go fast because their half court offense is lacking a little bit. Jaron Jackson Jr. has got to pick it up in that regard. But they, they do a lot of their work in the transition, and that's that goes away sort of in the playoffs. If you remember, I went back, just like my man Dylan Brooks was going back. I went back to the bubble. The Russell Westbrook, James Harden, it was like Eric Gordon. That Rockets versus Lakers series, Rockets tried to run, outrun the Lakers because Lakers are kind of, you know, they're the Lakers. Um, it didn't work. Mm. I mean, it didn't really work. The Lakers kind of just figured it out. The Grizzlies are a little bit more athletic, but... I, I I think the Lakers will have enough guys to get back, but anyways, it's that Lakers down. team had a lot better defenders than this Lakers team does even today because there is nobody on the Lakers who can stick with John Morant, and I think that that's, that's going to be a, that's going to be a huge problem. Memphis scores a ton in the lane, just like LA does as well. So Davis has got to watch his fouls too because Wenyan Gabriel ain't the answer. We saw that uh, in their playing game against Minnesota. So yeah, I think. Uh, Jaws being a little overlooked in this series because yeah. yeah. he should be he should be thirty a game easily. Who's going to get that that main assignment? Vanderbilt. Are they gonna I think some, so. Yeah, yeah, that's I sort of think so too. I mean, it ain't going to be D'Angelo Russell. No, that's for sure. No. Yeah, Reeves. They, no, probably not. They are third in defense since the trade, so that is something. They had a paper thin schedule. There's no doubt. Uh, the Lakers did, and yeah, John Moran, he is a hundred percent being overlooked, and I think it's good that everybody else is talking, and he's just going to go out and play. Uh, I doubt we'll be taking John Morant for an X-Factor, but who else do you have on your <laughs> your list there, TK? Uh, my X-Factors are the shooters for the Grizzlies, Bain, Kennard, and Brooks. They got to get some production from those guys from the outside. I think Bain is the guy who really needs to step up for Memphis here. Um, John will do his thing. Jaron Jackson Jr., we've already talked about, is a big question mark whether he'll be able to contribute on both ends of the court. Uh, but Bain can be a secondary shooter, and there will be times when the Lakers want to get the ball out of Jaw's hands, and somebody else has to make a play. I think his playmaking has taken a step forward this season. He's obviously a knockdown shooter from three, so big Bain games would be big. Yeah, he had a great uh, first-round series against the, the the Wolves last year. Bain was awesome, if you remember, and then uh, he sort of disappeared in like three or four mm-hmm. games against the Warriors. I think he sort of picked it up right at the end of that series, but uh, they need Bain to be pretty special there, splashing away from three. Who you got as the next factor? Yeah, I'm t- Totally with you on the the Grizzly shooters. When it comes down to crunch time, obviously Morant and Triple J, hopefully, will be out there with Dylan Brooks and Bain. The fifth guy, if it's Luke Kennard, who can bury triple after triple after triple, 
has got to be himself. But will he be out there? Will the Lakers allow him to be out right. there? Will they go after him defensively? That could happen. He could get played off the floor. So other guys, not sure if Zaire Williams is ready. Tyus Jones may step in just to be able to hit some shots. Uh, but if Luke Kennard can play, that is big. We said Al Horford's the best shooter. That guy is the best shooter. Luke Kennard's the best shooter in basketball when he's on the floor. Can he do it? Uh, can he be? Can he be out there? That's the the biggest question because he's he's been really good since coming over. Uh, there is a reason that they traded for him. I said this after the uh, Lakers beat the Wolves there to get into the playoffs. The X factor, and this is me definitely cheating, but it's like who is going to be the third Laker on any given night to step up and help out LeBron and AD? It was Schroeder in that game versus Minnesota with 21 off the bench, uh, you know, basically saving D'Angelo Russell who had a garbage game. But D'Angelo Russell could have a monster game. Could be Reeves. Could be Beasley hitting six threes. You know, Vanderbilt, he's got to play his defense. Can he contribute at all offensively? I think it's going to be just finding that third sort of star on that night to help out your AD and LeBron, who are going to get theirs, uh, usually, as long as they're not injured. So I'll be watching for that. Who's going to step up? Uh, Lakers-Grizzlies predictions. This one. Could we disagree on? I can't wait to see where everybody goes. Trey, you go first. Man, I think it's a very, very tough call. Uh, tuck in your tank tops. Get your cardigans out. It's going to be a fun <laughs> one. This, these Anthony Davis numbers are crazy to me, actually, because you listed out pretty solid performance from Xavier Tillman, it seems like, against yep. Anthony Davis. <laughs> then I go and look, and Anthony Davis had a 30-22 and a 28-19. <laughs> right. So what happened? <sighs> I thought he was playing defense. I don't know. I don't know. You look, you see LeBron and AD – you think maybe the the Lakers should be favored, but I'm going with the Grizzlies in seven. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Not confident. Not confident no. at all, but I'm going Grizzlies in seven. Okay. I think the Grizzlies are ready. I think they're ready for the moment. I got them in seven, too. I think that's plenty of respect for the Lakers to win three games. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, I had Grizzlies in seven, too, but I'm throwing it out. I'm swerving if you guys are taking it. Give me Lakers in seven. LeBron on the road, in the grindhouse. Dylan Brooks shooting five for 23 in game seven. <laughs> Tapping him in the balls, yeah, getting happen. kicked out. Something like that. Uh, it's Look, we're getting out here as we think this could be a very, very tight series. Uh, I, I believe someone or two people or three people will be uh, tossed at some point in this series because emotions will be running high. Uh, and it should be fun as hell to watch and break down here on the show. I'll go Lakers in seven. Uh, cause I don't, I can't, I can't have us all go on the same side, yeah. right? You know, it also feels like a coin flip when you get to a game seven. Sure. Take LeBron on the road. Why not? Uh, let's hear from you guys though. Grizzlies, Lakers. You think the Lakers are going to wax them? Some people do. Some people think the Grizzlies are going to wax them and the Lakers are completely overrated. Some of us, like all three of us here think it's going seven. Let's hear from you guys. Drop your predictions in the comments below. We're going to take one more break. And when we come back. Tweet of the night. Don't go anywhere. It's NBA playoffs time, and that means NBA snack time. I can't stop eating while I'm watching. So many options in my house that I got to cut out a bit. I got to switch it up, but I know I'm not giving up. Sunflower seeds? Sure. But maybe something that's not a food for that oral fixation, perhaps? Good thought. Here's a breath of fresh air. Fume. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. 
Its taste is surprising. All natural stuff. It's fun to fidget with, and it's a good weight. The wood feels good, and it feels cool to use. Start the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash dunks and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners to the show 10% off when they use our code dunks to help make starting the good habit that much easier. I got to get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute. But man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of No Dunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. All right, back here in the Classic Factory, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. All right, little backstory before we get into the actual tweets. Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyle Kuzma. You might remember, they overlapped by a few months on the 2021-22 Washington Wizards before Dinwiddie was traded to Dallas. Then, after the Mavericks lost to the Wizards this past January, Dinwiddie said of his former team, quote, they're over there trying to get paid, not trying to play winning basketball. Okay, end quote. Kuzma, obviously still on the Wizards, he fired back, tweeting, the funny thing is they don't play winning basketball. And then a bunch of emojis, including a clown emoji. The most disrespectful emoji you can put on someone. (laughs) That one hurts. That one definitely hurts. (laughs) So, months passed. This was January. Okay? The beef cooled. Just sat on a plate. (laughs) Gotta let beef cool. That's right. Get it to uh, at least room temperature. Uh, But then, (laughs) this week, Dinwiddie appeared on the Run It Back show, the podcast. Shout out to Michelle Beadle. Shout out to Shams. Chandler Parsons. And Banksy? Bansky? <laughs> no, Banksy, the artist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on Run It Back, he, uh, he got re-engaged into, uh, into talking about Kyle Kuzma. And here's what Dinwiddie said. He said, if we look at him and the way he approaches life, fame, and all that stuff, we can see that his priorities tend to vary. That's why he dresses the way he does, approaches basketball the way he does, the comments he makes. You're probably not even a third star on a good team because if you were, the Lakers would have kept you. Jesus, Dinwiddie sort of going in once again on Kuzma. Asked about it on the Run It Back podcast. But an inspired Kuzma (laughs) took to Twitter pretty quickly. And he had a thread, guys. We're not going to share every tweet, but the first three. First one, okay. So since I'm so famous, in quotations, 
He at FanDuel TV, run it back, and at Dinwiddie himself. Let me give you all some clout. Oh. I'm usually unbothered but things on the by things <laughs> on the internet, but I will not allow this delusional guy to continue to talk about my teammates and I. And then here's a thread. Laughing emojis, of course. First one, insecurity is loud. The wizards and I have so much real estate on Din Shitty Island. <laughs> this guy got signed by a team. 60 MS? What did he mean M- there? Mill. 60 okay. million. <laughs> uh, and was traded before the following season was over. Next tweet in the thread. This is Coos. What in the world have you won in this league? LOL. You've been bouncing around like a basketball, my boy. More crying <laughs> emojis. And, uh, and, then, and then that was it. We'll call it there. Because there was like three, four, five, six more. <laughs> a bunch of other tweets. But we don't need to read them all. What did you think about this being reignited here between Dinwiddie and Kuzma? <laughs> well, they go at each other a lot. Kuzma has shown some restraint, I think, until this moment. Until this moment, he said, I can't let him talk about me and my team. That's enough! So, I'm fine with this. It's not, it's not like they do it all the time. I mean, it's, it's happened. Months. Yeah, it's happened... Yeah, twice this season, and this one resulted in a, a, a very well-formatted thread. I'm I'm pretty pretty happy with yeah, Kuz. It, yeah, it was impressive. Know, well-formatted, some typos in there for sure. Absolutely, but, yeah. He, know, he, doesn't, he doesn't have Magic Johnson's writer yeah. uh, sitting beside him. He did that himself. Yeah, the MS. Is it milliseconds? It's millions. I get it. Uh, but Well, a lot of uh, NBA Twitter thought someone was a ghostwriter for these Din Shitty Island. Din Shitty Island. <laughs> you don't think Kyle island. Kuzma can come up with Din Shitty? No, of shitty. course I do. He's been talking that trash. Was, that was a Kuzma invention, I do yeah, believe. Yeah, they've been talking <laughs> trash about him in the locker room for months. I think they could have come up with Din okay. Shitty. Right. Guaranteed after uh, Spencer got tweeted, or traded, that's what they called him in the Wizards <laughs> locker room. 44 games together. These guys totally hate each yeah. other. Uh, Ghostwriter-wise, I think the part when Kuzma refers to the Nets record with KD and Kyrie as 34 wins before the trade and only 11 and 13 after the break or whatever it says. <laughs> that, to me, was very ghostwritery. But right. every time I ref- like look back on this in the past 12 hours, there's like a new part of it that's my favorite. First of all, it was a thread. Yeah, <laughs> it's just hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. Kind of a six-tweet thread to talk about Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, Din Shitty Island, great line. <laughs> the next one that caught my eye was when he called him my boy. Yeah. He been yeah, bouncing around that, like that a basketball, one. my boy. My boy <laughs> bounced around like a basketball. But today, Skeets, the one that got me was just in the first tweet when he calls him this delusional guy. <laughs> Pretty funny. This delusional guy. Yeah. Oh, man. Kuzma yeah. versus Dinwiddie. And then, uh, yeah, one of my other favorites, he went on to say uh, the crypto market. He called, he said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he said that Spencer wanted to get paid in crypto. The NBA didn't allow that and basically calling him out oh. for crypto. He's like, check the markets. Yeah, check the markets, pal. <laughs> you dummy. I think he went up yesterday, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's gone up. It's actually yeah, raging right but now. But people 30K. were pointing out, like, Kuzma had, like, uh, some NFT shoes or something in the metaverse, or I don't know, in Web3. So I don't know. Maybe Dinwiddie oh, can come man. back with that. It's, it's incredible. Dinwiddie's about to play in a playoff series. <laughs> yeah, as a number two option. He's like got re- got to get ready to try and guard Maxi or something like that, man. Like this he's got a series guy. Up. And then uh, Kuzma's just waiting to get paid, which was one of the tweets too, right? He said he's getting the bag. 
amazing. I'm not going to get paid in crypto, that's for sure. <laughs> no. Uh, what, what did he, yeah, as far as basketball parts, Kuzma went at Dinwiddie and said, you can't be a second player on a good team? Like a second option on a good team? Is th- th- was that did, the... I, don't, I didn't watch Dinwiddie's <laughs> Yeah, it was interview. a big clip. So did he call no. himself a second option? Because then Kuzma calls him <laughs> he, a second option in quotes, more like a second point guard. That's <laughs> basically what he says. Yeah. Got him. Yeah. Got him. Anyways, the winner is obviously FanDuel TV. Yeah. Yeah. Big sh- they got <laughs> added. <laughs> added. That's a great part of this, too. Yeah. Straight up added them. Yeah. The Nets really didn't get anything back, though, for Spencer Dinwiddie in that trade. No, no, no. I think they got – yeah, it was a huge trade. And I think the Nets shipped out Dinwiddie, and all they got back was a 2024 second rounder and 2025 second rounder. Well, is that it? Well, I guess um, though they did the deal. I don't know. It's hard to. It's hard to say. <laughs> August six, two thousand one. This is like a brick of text in this <laughs> in this trade here, and just all the it. most random dudes of all time. Don't worry about it. Kuzma will bring yes. it up in his next Twitter thread. <laughs> uh, he'll have that whole paragraph, I'm sure, when they go back and forth. Kuzma's gonna have to be. Uh, he did end it with saying like, "Go Sixers." So he's well aware, of course, <laughs> Dinwiddie is playing Philadelphia. Kuz is going to be chiming in every That's game, awesome. is he not? I think any time Dinwiddie has a bad game totally. or something like that, you would think so. He has shown restraint, is all I'm saying. Well, yeah, in Kuzma's like defense, it took months, Dinwiddie obviously. is starting this both times. Yeah. He has. That's true. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Kuzma, I mean, there was a little... Little build up there, obviously, with a five tweet thread. <laughs> like that, that didn't just happen. Like there was some obviously some animosity, but I do think a little restraint. Yeah. No restraint with the outfits, but restraint with the tweet fingers, I would say. Uh who won the Dinwiddie Kuzma round two beef? Who won the fan duel? <laughs> Run it back. <laughs> I'm glad I picked uh over five tweets first. Kyle Kuzma's throw. Oh, you hit that Actually, on FanDuel? Yeah, it was five and a half, I saw. <laughs> so I went, I went over. It was great. Good for yeah. you. I'm going to make that oh, money. Yeah. You made some Banksy or some Bansky. <laughs> Bansky. Is, apologies. That's uh, KD's guy, right? That's his boy, his buddy. Yeah, they do the podcast what, the together. ETCs? Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Can't wait to read the article about that on what's The Athletic. Banksy, what's Banksy doing? The artist. Like, he doesn't want you to know. Yeah. You don't know. <laughs> he had that, uh, he he had that hilarious stunt where somebody uh, bought his painting and then suddenly... That was badass. That was so cool. That was a badass art move right there. <laughs> that's like that's middle fingers to art right Banksy there. was in his bag with that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got to call it there. Uh, I got to get some tea in me before we get ready for no buffs to talk about last night's Survivor podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, though. No games on tonight in the NBA. I know. I know, but we'll have a drop podcast. There you go. There we go. Catch up on that. Uh, we will be having a podcast, the Drop Podcast, uh, Worst of the Week nominees. I'm sure taking a bigger look, uh, bigger picture look, maybe at the playoffs and the playoff series as we continue to sort of go through all of the series and make our predictions. Guys, thanks for joining us live. Hit the like button, subscribe, and uh, if you are a Survivor fan, join us later at 1 p.m. over on No Buffs. Till then, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And uh, to reiterate what you said there. Shout out to Michelle Beadle. Brace the day, people. <laughs>